Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you all. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers could get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Visit uscellular.com for terms and restrictions. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? It's Friday! <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Today, yes, it is Friday. Yes, uh, chronologically on the calendar. But today is, uh, of all the news days, how do we start? It's a busy news day. Um, today is going to be uh, an insane news day. So listen, let me get right to it. Uh, here's what I want to cover today. All Some right. breaking news on the swamp, the government shutdown. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi is increasingly cornered. I don't tell you that as some kind of political tactic to pressure the Dems. I'm, I'm telling you that because it's the truth. She's having, She's going to have a very difficult time now going forward if a third paycheck is missed. Uh, and I want to get to the Roger Stone news this morning, which happened right before I went on the air. Um, at Fox and Friends, which I described. Um, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Joybird. Hey, have you heard about the revolution in online furniture shopping? And Joybird, which is the company behind it all, I have one of their couches in my house. It is beautiful. It is the most comfortable couch I have ever slept on, sat on in my life. I have it right outside my office. When you come down, Joe, you'll see it. Joybird believes you should never settle when it comes to your home furnishings. You should always have the freedom to be boldly original. From idea to reality, they empower you to create the space and furniture that brings you joy. They had the perfect... They- put the perfect couch in that area for me. It's just gorgeous. With Joybird, you get one-of-a-kind furniture unique to your taste. Turn your ideas into reality with hundreds of styles and options from mid-century modern to contemporary classics, customizable in an amazing array of fabric choices from rich buttery leather and plush velvets to every color imaginable. They have free personal design consultants, which is really cool to help you nail down your perfect design. Don't guess. Each Joybird piece is made by hand with care and precision. It'll bring the eyes right to it when people walk in your house. Using high-quality hardwood and responsibly sourced materials to fix your exact specs. Limited lifetime warranty is included. You have a 365-day home trial. Skip the furniture store and bring the showroom home. Sit on it. Sleep on it. Break it in. If you don't love it, return it for a full refund. It has hassle-free in-home delivery. They'll even remove all the packing materials. Free returns within two weeks of delivery. See how Joybird is revolutionizing, revolutionizing online furniture shopping. Create the furniture brings you joy today at joybird.com slash Bongino. You'll receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using promo code Bongino. If you go to joybird.com slash Bongino, receive 25% off your first order using promo code Bongino, joybird.com slash Bongino. I love that name, man. What are you, some kind of Joybird or something? Yeah, you get the couch, and believe me, you'll love the couch, too. It's beautiful. All right, so a couple things before I get to the stone news, because there's so much going on right now breaking. Yeah. Uh, first, Nancy Pelosi's increasingly in a corner. There's a great piece by um, Ed Morrissey, who is... Uh, Listen, by no means is a uh, some kind of a Trump acolyte. He's a, a conservative commentator, but you know he's a pretty fair down the line observer. And he has a piece up today. I believe it's in the week. I have it up at the show notes, and I encourage you to read it about how Nancy Pelosi, Joe, is increasingly in a corner in the government shutdown because moderate Democrats, or, or what they claim to be, I'm always skeptical, of course, of the term moderate Democrat, but. Well, claims that what people who claim to be moderate Democrats who are in swingy type districts are starting to put pressure on Nancy Pelosi as paychecks are starting to mount up. Miss paychecks are starting to mount up. And Pelosi now is having a tough time explaining legislatively what she wants from Trump. Now, listen, I've been candid. I am not a supporter of DACA, the amnesty at all. Let's get that out of the way. So nobody mistakes what my principles are. They don't change. Um, you know, I support the president when her when her values align. There is some chatter on the table right now of uh, a form of legislative relief for these DACA kids who were brought here by their parents um, in violation of U.S. law. Again, I don't support that. So please don't. I'm not changing my mind. I will never change my mind on that. But there is some talk of trading that for a significant bump in border wall funding. Listen, here's the problem. I'm talking about the strict political tactics here, Joe. I've already laid out my principles, what I believe, and you're free to believe whatever you want as well about DACA. Right. On, from strict political strategy and a tactical front, how is Nancy Pelosi going to explain this away to congressmen and women just elected in a midterm wipeout for Republicans at the House level, Joe, 
How is she going to explain and is her are her members on the Democrat side going to go back and explain to districts that are 50 50 Democrat or Republican where they're just won their first term, these new Democrats, when people say, well, why is the government shut down? Well, it's shut down because what DACA? They can't say that anymore. She's running out of reason. So Morrissey has a fascinating piece talking about how these Democrats are increasingly breaking ranks, Joe. Even people in, in not so swingy districts, Clyburn, Steny Hoyer from your area, Joe, Steny Hoyer down yeah. in Southern Maryland, um, who has been in a leadership role on the Democrat side in the House before. They're all starting to detach themselves from the Pelosi. The wall is a moral approach. The wall's not moral. They're all moving away from this. In other words, I think I think you're going to see a deal. Um, at some point, it may not be the deal I want um, at this point. If, if it involves a DACA trade, it's not. Uh, but I think you're going to see a deal. And I think the Democrats are going to have to fold on this, Joe, because there's simply no way they're going to be able to stick to their guns um, on guns that have already been given up. They've yeah. already, it, Trump has already compromised on a lot of these uh, on, on a lot of these deals. So I think the Democrats are in a lot of trouble. Pelosi's cornered. She's in a world of hurt right now. Um, all right. Um, one other quick story I wanted to get to here. Um, Elizabeth Warren, I had warned you about this, that as this Democrat presidential field, (laughs) Joe's rubbing his forehead, as the Democrat presidential field unfolds for 2020, we now have Kamala Harris in, Democrat senator from California, Elizabeth Warren, Democrat senator from Massachusetts. We have uh, a bunch of other people in John Delaney, who I ran against for Congress, uh, is running as well. Um, You know, Bernie's going to jump in. I'm assuming Joe Biden's going to jump in. As the field expands, I had warned you in the past that you were going to see increasingly Democrats racing to the bottom uh, to hit more and more outrageous far left proposals in an effort to appear uh, more and more progressive to the progressive base that's going to be voting in their primaries. Elizabeth Warren came out last night with a 2% wealth tax on uh, people with $50 million or assets or above. Folks, again, I've tried the economic arguments over and over again. Uh, I'll make one here. I'm assuming I'm wasting my breath on the liberals, but on people who are persuadable and reasonable, I get it that a lot of you out there are like, so what's what's who cares if Elizabeth Warren uh, levies a as President Warren proposes a two percent levy on the assets. Remember, Joe, not the income, Mm -hmm. the assets of people worth 50 million or more. So remember, there'll be no way to move money from capital gains to income to real estate to trust, it would be your 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 gross assets. So if Joe Armacost is worth $100 million, it would be a 2% levy on those assets, not your income. Man. This, ladies and gentlemen, would be devastating to our economy. And it would be devastating because I'm going to give you the economic reason, understanding that the liberals listening, that they're half brain dead and that none of this is going to penetrate. They have like lead shielding around their skulls. You know, like when you go for an x-ray, they give you the lead blanket to put over you. Yeah. That lead blanket is, it, 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 you know, the facts penetrating it through their skulls aren't possible. Like, yeah, they wrap it around their head. I get it. <laughs> I totally see that. The lead blanket around their head. It's like a, a lead, what they call balaclava what, a mask a or something like that. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. So I get it, but I'm going to try this anyway. A lot of you are going to say, well, it only affects people with 50 million. They don't need that. It's not what they need. Number one, I don't care what the government thinks we need or don't. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in fallible sinners, men and women who somehow leverage their own power and influence to get elected to Congress, telling me what I need with regards to my money, my firearms, my kids education or my health care. I don't care. Get out of my life. Stay out of my life. Be gone. Don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. But with regards to the people with 50 million in assets don't need any more concept, that's not the point, ladies and gentlemen. People who have accumulated wealth and assets have done it for a reason. Income isn't distributed. It's earned. It's earned because that person, whether good or bad or indifferent, I'm not making a moral judgment on them because I don't know every person in the country who makes $50 million. Some of them could be shady. Some of them could be complete slime bags. Some of them could be totally benevolent, really good people. I have no idea. All I know is I don't care. They had to produce something or a product that society valued enough that people were willing to turn over their money to the person who invented this idea or this product or this service. The world was clearly a better place because people find those assets worth their time. If they didn't, they wouldn't turn over their money. Right. Having said that, what do they do with the money? I've tried to remember. I need you to keep this in the back of your head at all times. CIS, CIS, CIS. What does CIS stand for? It's my abbreviation for consume, invest, or spend. 
when corporations or wealthy folks, $50 million in assets or above, however you choose to define wealthy, when they garner a substantial pool of assets, money, wealth, there are three things they can do with it, and only three things. They can consume that money. Whether it's a business, the business can consume the money and spend it on itself. If it's a person, a very wealthy person, he can consume the money by spending it, by buying food, by buying wine, by buying a private jet. Oh my gosh, a private jet. Folks, do you realize that working men and women built that private jet and built the parts for it and mined the ore, the iron ore that went into the steel that the union steel worker in many cases put together? What do you think drives the economy and the production of products? Demand, demand by people who have assets to levy that demand into actual sales. Are you an economic idiot? The money has to be consumed, invested, or or spent. C-I-S, consume, invest, or spend. So on the first front, they can consume. Oh my gosh, consumption, that's a problem. Really, it's a problem? You work for a business. I got news for you. Your business relies on consumption. Are you that stupid? Did you not figure this out? I mean, I'm not talking to you, my listeners. I love you to death. I'm talking about the liberals who have a tough time, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Joe, oh. understanding even basic economics. If you don't consume it, you can invest it. You can invest it in other people's companies, just like a business can. A business can consume it on itself, build its business. It can invest it in other businesses. If you don't have any good thing, say you're a Joe, you're worth $50 million. Mm-hmm. You have 50 million in assets. Yeah. You don't, you can't buy anymore. There's nothing else. You have a house, you have your a jet, you, you have what you have a jet ski in your backyard Everything. and you don't even go out to eat. You live a relatively, you know, benign lifestyle in your, in your old age. I buy the restaurant. Yeah. You buy the right, buy the restaurant. You got nothing else to buy. What do they do? They invest the money in other places. They either put it in a bank where the bank invests it, a financial firm where they invest it, an evil hedge fund that invests it in other businesses. And what happens, Joe? Other businesses scoop up that unused capital and use it to build their own businesses. Again, liberals, I know this is tough for you. This is basic economics, capital flows, cash flows. I get this is tough because you're not willing to accept reality. But try for a minute to put your economic absurdity aside. And the and, and the uh, and the ninja mask of, of of the X-ray ninja mask made of lead aside, and let the facts penetrate. They don't consume it; they'll invest it, invest it in other people's companies that will use it to build their own products and services. Finally, they could spend it. This is just a simple analogy. The business will spend it on dividends. They can give the money back to the owners of the business, people who own the stock in the form of dividends. Consume, invest. Spend. Now, the individuals on the individual front, what is that? What is consume is obvious for them. They consume it. They buy food, drink, jets, whatever. Invest, invest in other people's companies. The spend part means you could invest yourself in your own companies. Spend it. You could spend it on a, say you say, hey, listen, I, um, I've got this idea. What about a pet rock? Remember oh. the pet rock, Joe? People yeah. thought that was the dumbest idea ever until the mm. guy sold like a million of them. The guy could say, hey, I got a good idea. You know, kids like these things called, uh, you know, my daughter likes stuffed animals. They have these uh, Hatchimals. My, it, 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 I thought it was the dumbest idea ever until I found out <laughs> it's this huge. I, really, but you know what? Some guy thought of it where you, you get this stuffed animal and it comes in a, in a breakable like plastic egg and the kids break into the egg. They're called Hatchimals. My daughter loves them, right? Somebody thought of that idea so they can consume it on themselves, invest it in other companies, uh, invested in stocks for themselves, or they can invest it in their own company, start their own thing. That's what happens to money, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't get burned under mattresses. It doesn't get, excuse me, hidden under mattresses. It doesn't get burned in fireplaces. This is all stupid. This is all nonsense economics. Elizabeth Warren doesn't understand any of this, and it's frustrating because I know it's easy for the simple-minded among us to go, well, what do we care? Who needs $50 million? It's not what they need. Nobody cares what you think they need. No, listen to the liberals out there. You don't know anything about making money or you'd be in the private sector and stop telling us government's the answer to all our problems. You have no idea what we need. Back off. I don't care what you think I need. Get out of my life. Get out of my wallet. Get out of my firearm safe. Get out of my kid's school and get out of my health care. I don't care what you think. It is what happens with the money that matters. Need is entirely different. It is consumed, invested or spent. And that's what leads to a growing economy. My gosh, am I getting tired of these people? It's really frustrating having to speak in basic econ. We're not talking about advanced level 
you know, a marginal propensity to consume Keynesian nonsense here. We're talking about basic cash flows. All right, let me get to the Stone uh, story, but let's uh, let me read this first. This is important. We got to uh, get our sponsors in here, and Stone's going to take a while because what's happening here is is clearly obvious at this point. All right, today's show also brought to you by buddies at Blinkist. If you're someone like me, the list of books you want to read is always expanding, and people are suggesting new ones all the time. Listen, we don't have time to read them all. We all know that. But our sponsor, Blinkist, like blinking your eyes, Blinkist has solved your long list of must-reads once and for all. Blinkist is the only app that takes thousands of the best-selling nonfiction books and distills them down to the most impactful elements so you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone. I listen in my car. One of my favorite authors is on there, Nicholas Taleb, who wrote The Black Swan, which I used to drive Joe crazy about. Love it. With Blinkist, you will expand your knowledge. I love that book. And, and learn more in just 15 minutes than you can in almost any other way. Plus, you can listen anywhere. Their library is massive from current bestsellers to timeless classics. They've got a boatload of material on there, and it's constantly curating Blinkist and adding new titles from best of lists. So you're always getting the most powerful ideas in a made-for-mobile format. Five million people are using Blinkist to expand their minds 15 minutes at a time. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Dan. Blinkist.com slash Dan. Start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist.com slash Dan. Start your free seven-day trial. All right, here's what's happening with Mueller, uh, with Mueller and Roger Stone. Ladies and gentlemen, Mueller's desperate. Mueller is not a good guy. I have been trying desperately to get you all to believe this. I know there's some people out there that feel differently. That's fine. There are some smart people out there putting together their own. Uh, investigations. They seem to think Mueller's a good guy and could be a white hat. Um, that is, you can just throw that out the window. What happened? Roger Stone, who was a former, is a camp, he's a campaign guy. He's a, an oppo guy. He's, a, you know, he's a political guy. He puts together political strategy and stuff like that. You may, you've seen him on TV. He's a, yeah, always pretty sharp dress guy. Mm-hmm. I have run into Roger Stone at a couple of uh, political events. I've seen him. We're not friends. I don't know Roger. Uh, but disclosure, I have met him before at certain events. Uh, bizarrely, Roger Stone, his house was apparently raided um, this morning in another early morning raid. There were some discrepancies about the time, if it happened last evening or this morning. And also, there was, happened to be someone there with a camera who was tipped off to record this thing. Now, ladies and gentlemen. Because you're my audience, and I love you, and I, I mean it. I mean, I have as much man love as I can for you as possible. You have uh, made this show a, a huge hit, and I feel like I owe you an apology. I mean it. I'm not kidding around. This isn't like joke time. I have defended, and Joe, please vouch for me on this and call me out if you think I'm wrong. I have huh? defended the FBI at every opportunity. The rank and file FBI, have I not? Yes, you have at every opportunity. Seriously, I, and, yeah. And at and and as Joe well knows, because he reads a lot of the emails too, many times uh, to the chagrin of many of you, my loyal listeners in the audience, who have loudly proclaimed, "Dan, if this happened with the FBI, the Spygate scandal, why do you keep defending these guys?" And I have defended them because the scandal to spy on Trump, and I stand by this because it's true, um, was clearly an isolated. It was isolated to the upper level management. It ne- the case never came through the rank and file. But ladies and gentlemen, what happened today with the FBI and the raid on, on Stone's house is just a disgrace. I, I don't know Roger Stone. I don't know what he's guilty of or not. I know because I've read the indictment that the allegations, oh, Joe, are process crimes. Roger Stone was clearly not a flight risk. Roger Stone has appeared on TV, including a Tucker Carlson appearance, I believe, on Monday night on Fox, which says to me, Joe, you are not a criminal investigator in your past, correct, Joe? So I'm going to ask you a question as the audience ombudsman. Yeah, Do you right think ahead. Roger Stone was a flight risk? I don't think so, Dan. Do you, you think when you're appearing on Fox News on Monday that the chances of you fleeing the country with as probably the most recognizable figure outside of Donald Trump in this case, you think your chances of getting caught if you were to flee the country are pretty high? Hey, everybody, here I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stone was a, why would you hit this guy's house with what appears to be overwhelming force and tactical care? Guys, I, I clearly this is not a reflection. I'm going to be fair here of every agent in the FBI, and I'm sure people are going to object to this. But I have defended them, and I want to apologize, I think, for sometimes being blinded myself. This was clearly what happened this morning, an absolutely unnecessary 
set of a pool of tactics to get Stone. They, Stone could have surrendered with his lawyer, and we know it. What are they doing? What were they if they were arresting this guy for child pornography, homicide, murder, terrorism charges, assault on a federal agent? They were arresting this guy again for more process crimes, obstruction of the investigation and alleged witness tampering. You do a 6 a.m. raid with guys in tack gear and multiple cars showing up at the house. Folks, this is not what happens. Now, I'm going to explain to you why this happened. I believe this happened because Mueller is panicking again. Remember the show I did last week where I indicated that your July 27th, 2017 date is critical. It's clear Mueller's job right now is to cover up the DOJ and the FBI malfeasance. It is clear as day. The FBI is rolling, spying on the Trump team and investigating them for no good reason. Whenever something breaks in the case, I said this on Fox and Friends this morning, and I want to thank the Looney Tunes at Media Matters who listen to my show and watch Fox this morning for promoting my stuff. They'll call this a conspiracy theory. You can call it what you want. As long as people listen, that's all I care about. The facts of the case are clear. No, I mean it. Like, thanks to Media Matters, I had to thank them. I'm like, you guys are really great. Here's the link to the show. Uh, folks, every time there is a key critical break in the case, you see Bob Mueller panics and he does things and they do things hastily. I'm going to get to t- July 27th in a second. But today, regarding today's case, what happened last night? Last night on Fox News, Catherine Herridge and a number of other folks started reporting on another major break in this case where FBI and DOJ officials, multiple officials, are now indicating that Andy McCabe's version of how the case started via the FISA warrant is accurate. Well, what's that version? Why is that trouble? Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew McCabe, according to a congressional testimony that was leaked that he gave, Andy McCabe told members of Congress that the FISA warrant, in other words, the warrant to spy on Trump, just be, let's be very simple about this. The whole start of the case, the warrant to spy on the Trump team, the Carter Page warrant, where they can get the two hop rule to hop from Page to his people to his people, that that warrant would not have existed without the dossier. Andy McCabe, the number two with the FBI, who was uh, in many cases the lead on this case, supervising Peter Stroke and others had indicated that bombshell piece of information. In other words, the whole case, Joe, is a farce. The whole case is a joke and is a scam that relied on a hoax document that has now been debunked. Well, what happened yesterday? Which probably explains why Bob Mueller hit the house this morning. Yesterday came out that another FBI uh, official had come out and said that it was 50-50 that they would have gotten a warrant without the dossier. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, they didn't believe this case from the start. The way probable cause works, which is the evidentiary standard needed to secure a warrant, to arrest someone or to get a search warrant, you have to compile enough evidence to reach a standard known as probable cause. Ladies and gentlemen, as a former federal agent, it is a black and white standard. It is not probable cause or you either reach probable cause or you do not. The level below probable cause is called reasonable suspicion. It is not enough to secure a warrant. It is not enough to arrest someone under any circumstances. Probable cause is the standard. If you need 10 pieces of information to reach probable cause and you have five, as indicated by this, this now uh, someone apparently blowing the whistle on the FBI, they had 50-50 shot at getting it without the dossier. What does that tell you, Joe, that just by her own statement, probably they only felt it was half and half. In other words, if the dossier was out of it, they wouldn't have gotten there. Meaning to me, the saying to me, ladies and gentlemen, they were not confident at all. They had a case at all. This came out yesterday. This is devastating information, followed by the revelation last week that Mueller's key investigator put two and two together here, ladies and gentlemen, please. Followed by the revelation last week. That Mueller's key investigator, Andy Weissman, was revealed last week that Weissman knew about the political origins of the information and the political motivations of the guy supplying the information to the dossier back in August of 2016. Put two and two together. Mueller panics. Mueller finds out his lead investigator knew that the guy who creates the information, the fake information used to get the warrant on Trump team, 
in the Trump team, that his lead investigator knew about the political origins of this information back in August of 2016. And this is his lead guy. This comes out last week. All of a sudden, you see the BuzzFeed thing break, which now Paul Sperry's indicating that that leak may have come from Felix Sater, who's another guy. I'm wondering what Sater's connection is. Who, who was, who's pushing Sater to talk? Sater, who I, ironically is alleged to have pushed the Russia deal, uh, the Trump Tower meeting on uh, Trump Tower, uh, excuse me, project in Moscow on Trump after they find out he's going to run for president. Someone pushed Sater to that? Who did? Who told Sater that? Mueller finds out his lead investigator, Joe, knew that this was a political hit job. What does he find out last night? Well, Fox News finds out last night. They report last night. Catherine Harridge reports that other FBI people are now speaking out that the origins of their investigation, the warrant was a political hit job, too, that it was based on a political document, the fake dossier that Mueller's team knew about. Mueller has to change the story. So what do they do? They hit the house at six o'clock this morning. I have to tell you guys, I know you don't care what I think. A lot of the people involved in this, the bureau folks, but I am really disappointed to my audience. I, I get it. I get it. People are scared. No, I mean it. I, I, I don't mean people are scared in a frightened childlike way. I mean, people are scared for the future of our country. You had the opportunity right here, some people in the Bureau to stand up and do the right thing. I was with you. I was a federal agent, too. I'm not speaking with forked tongue here. You know damn well Roger Stone was no flight risk. You know darn well that if you would have called his lawyer, that he could have turned himself in. Um, immediately, if you would have had, you know that. You know where he lives. You know where he goes. He's easily recognizable. You just saw him on TV on Monday. Why the heck would you hit this guy's house at 6 o'clock in the morning in tack year? Why? And the answer is pretty obvious. Someone needed to change the story. Someone needed to change the narrative. And they wanted to induce an aggressive, aggressive hit from the start on this guy to scare him into cooperating. And this was one of those shake the trees tactics. Listen, listen, don't BS me. You know, it's true. Joe, I've been involved in these. I was involved in multiple federal arrests. Yeah. If a guy's going to turn himself in and you're trying to get him to cooperate and you're not trying to scare him, which is, I think was happening here, you let his lawyer turn him in or you arrange for him to come into the office and talk. You could put the handcuffs on if that. To hit the guy's door at six o'clock in the morning with guys in tack vests. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of stuff that's scaring a lot of people. And to the guys and the women involved, I, I don't know. I really don't know what you were thinking. I'm sorry, but somebody should have spoken out here. I don't know Stone. I, I frankly, I don't know him. I don't. I, I don't know the guy to, to trust him, not trust him. I read some of the indictments. Some of the stuff is troubling in there. But to hit the guy's house at six o'clock in the morning says to me that something's going on. Now there were a couple of things. What was he arrested for? He was arrested and indicted pursuant to a grand jury for alleged communications with witnesses in the case, where he tells them not to turn things over to the FBI. And apparently he misled the FBI about his contacts with WikiLeaks. And he, uh, according to the indictment, Joe, Stone appeared to indicate to a campaign official on the Trump team that, quote, the payload was coming involving some WikiLeaks uh, emails uh, that were allegedly uh, taken by the Russians and given to WikiLeaks. What's the problem, Joe? We're still not sure WikiLeaks got those from the Russians. Now, however unsavory this conduct may be, trying to gather together Hillary Clinton's um, 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 emails from WikiLeaks, who you may think it is. I mean, Hillary Clinton shouldn't have been putting the information out on a private email to begin with and then deleting 30,000 emails. But however unsavory the conduct is, you know what I find odd, Joe? What I find odd is they are criminalizing un what they perceive to be unsavory political conduct while completely ignoring the unsavory political connections of Hillary Clinton. So we see. It's just the exact, uh, how many times I got to tell you this, the Mueller probe's sole probe right now, sole purpose, forgive me here, is appears to be to cover up all of the misconduct by the Hillary team and the DOJ. And every single time you see a break in this case on the side of, that reflects positively on the Trump team, Mueller magically pulls out of his magic caboose some kind of arrest tactic or 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 police state tactic to frighten another witness and get and get media attention back on the people he wants the attention on. 
What's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, though, with Stone's contacts with WikiLeaks? We're not sure WikiLeaks got the information from the Russians. How does this indicate Russian collusion? WikiLeaks denies it and says they have evidence they didn't get the information from the Russians. Right. We still don't know. Not to mention the fact that Stone may have communicated with people under about opposition research does not indicate criminality at all. Ladies and gentlemen, if there was some kind of criminal conspiracy to collude with the Russians, why hasn't Mueller charged anybody with it yet? I'm telling you why, because he doesn't have anything. Don't panic about this, folks. This is Mueller freaking out again. He needs to change the narrative from the fact that his lead investigator, Andy Weissman, knew that this was a political hit in August of last year. And some whistleblower yesterday talking to Congress has indicated that everybody knew it was a political hit and that the warrant would not have existed without the fake dossier political hit job. They're panicking, folks. Now, where have we seen this before with Mueller? So just to sum up where we were, Stone's house was hit this morning. I believe it was hit because the negative information about Mueller's investigators and Mueller's team are starting to come out. Mueller needs to change the narrative. Early morning raid. We've seen these tactics before. Now, learn how to read the tea leaves in this case, ladies and gentlemen. When you read hack far left sites like Media Matters, um, the Daily Beast, and you know BuzzFeed, you know the, the the National Enquirers of the left. When you read these sites, you can start to pick up what's really going on because these are propagandists whose sole goal is to usher in the police state and cover up Democrats, uh, cover up the Democrats' crimes and, and try to paint Trump as a criminal, even though they don't have any evidence. So once in a while, I'll peruse these sites. So I saw an interesting uh, reference in a piece by the Daily Beast today that people in Congress, some Democrats, are now looking into, again, Eric Prince again. Now, Prince, ladies and gentlemen, this is fascinating because it, I'm telling you again that Mueller's job is to cover all this stuff up. Learn how to read the tea leaves. What does that mean? Why are the Democrats looking at Eric Prince again? Let me give you a little bit of background on Prince. I'm pulling up some photos here. Forgive me. This is important. So Eric Prince is Betsy DeVos, who is a Trump cabinet official. She is the uh, secretary of education. That is her brother. Eric Prince used to own Blackwater. They since sold it. It's been uh, changed names since then. Uh, but Eric Prince is a key figure in the Mueller probe. I've told you from the start, this was all a setup of the Trump team. I believe all these people were pushed in the Trump orbit to, to bait in the Trump people about Russia stuff so they could use it later. We've referenced Prince before. What did Prince do? And what, what, did, what is he, wh why is he such a key figure in the probe? And why all of a sudden would they be reinterested in him? Let me read to you an old piece about who is cooperating against Eric Prince. This is from a salon.com piece, a far left site. Investigators also stopped and questioned Joel Zamel, an Australian businessman, about his ties to George Nader. Remember the names. The Lebanese-born investment advisor to the UAE, who was also stopped and frisked at Dulles Airport by Mueller's people and is now cooperating with his investigation. Zamel was questioned about Mr. Nader's relationship with Russia and his contacts with Trump advisors, as well as the movement of money from the UAE into the United States. <laughs> You're like, I don't get this. Where are you going? This is confusing. Oh, don't be man. confused. This is a setup. The Trump team was set up. Eric Prince, who is Betsy DeVos, a Trump cabinet official's brother-in-law. Eric Prince went to a meeting in the Seychelles at one point. The allegations are was that this meeting was an effort to set up a back channel to talk to the Russians and people in the Middle East. Do you ever notice whenever there's, an, whenever there's a meeting with someone on the Trump team, with <laughs> to someone connected to the Mueller probe or uh -huh. someone connected to the Hillary Clinton team, it's always a back channel, Joe? Yeah. Do you ever notice that? Isn't that kind of crazy? <laughs> yeah. Who sets up this meeting in the Seychelles a while back that Eric Prince was at? Well, who sets the meeting up and who's there is a guy named George Nader. George Nader, the guy I just read to you in that last piece by Salon, who they're trying to get other people now to give up uh, George Nader or give up information about Nader and his contacts there. Who is Nader's lawyer? Nader's lawyer is Catherine Rumler, the Obama administration fixer. 
So Obama's lawyer in the White House, the fixer, Catherine Rumler, is representing this guy, Nader, who's arranging all of these meetings. And one of them is a meeting between Eric Prince and this Russian guy in the Seychelles. Now the Democrats all of a sudden are reinterested in this. Why? Because someone is feeding them this information that this is a big thing. Now, look, Eric Prince was supposed to meet with a Russian. It was arranged by George Nader. Who's Nader's lawyer? Oh, Catherine Rumler, former Obama White House counsel and White House fixer. All of this stuff, all of these roads lead back to Clinton and Obama, every single one of them. Let me, sh- let me continue to read from the Salon piece. In fact, Mueller has been turning up the heat in his Nader-related investigations in recent days. Remember, Nader's represented by Obama's lawyer. Nader-related investigations? Obama's lawyer is representing this guy. <laughs> He's leading the probe? You will recall, this is from the piece, that Nader has had continued contacts with Trump and his campaign over the past two years. Oh, he has. Who told him to do that, Joe? Who told him to do that? Did he did that on his own? Is he just an entrepreneurial guy? He arranged and attended a meeting at Trump Tower in December of 2016 between Jared Kushner and Steve Bannon and a UAE ruler, Mohammed bin Zayed Al-Nayan. This was around the time that Kushner met with Sergei Kislyak. Here we go, Joe. Seeking to set up a back channel to Putin through the Russian embassy. Here we go with the back channel there stuff again. again. <laughs> always the, there's always a back channel involving a guy who's setting up meetings who's represented by Obama's lawyer. Yeah. Always. This always creeps up. This guy, Nader, is I've been talking about this guy forever. Uh, Nader, who is uh, one of the chief cooperators in the Mueller probe, we know this, is being rep by Obama's lawyer and from the Salampis. Mueller has been turning up the heat in his Nader-related investigations. Who's running this thing? Now, here's a key piece. And the only reason I'm bringing Prince up today in light of the Roger Stone stuff is because this is going to be Eric, ladies and gentlemen, bookmark this episode. It's Friday. I don't know the date. Something. I get confused. Listen to me. Prince is going to be next. Stone was today to change the narrative on another process crime unrelated to collusion. Eric Prince will be next and it will be the same process crimes, ladies and gentlemen. And it will be about meetings again organized by a guy whose lawyer was Barack Obama's White House counsel. Fascinating how this keeps creeping up, isn't it? Amazing. Now, even another wrinkle to throw a, uh, I mean, another curveball. You want to see a deuce coming your way? <sighs> Who did Eric Prince meet with in the Seychelles? Remember, this is arranged by a guy who's rep by Obama's lawyer who's now working with Mueller. He met with a guy named Kirill Dmitriev who ran the Russian Direct Investment Fund, one of the primary backers of the Skolkovo project. Folks, follow me. I know today's show is confusing, but this is the next shoe to drop. You heard it here first. The Daily Beast, which is a left-wing propaganda site, clearly is getting a leak from somebody connected to the case that this is the next Roger Stone raid to happen. It's going to be Prince. You have to learn to read the tea leaves here. Prince meets with this guy, Kirill Dmitriev, set up by a guy working with the Mueller team who is now rep by Obama's lawyer. He meets with a guy, Kirill Dmitriev, from the Russian Direct Investment Fund, who, who, who was a heavy backer of the Skolkovo project. The Skolkovo project was the Russian effort, the Russian effort to build a technology corridor in Russia where that Skolkovo project later was alleged to have stolen significant technology secrets from the United States to build advanced military weapons. Mm -hmm. Who was one of the primary backers of the Skolkovo project? Hillary Clinton. 20 of the 27 companies involved in Skolkovo were big donors to the Clinton campaign. Folks, Kirill Dmitriev's Russian Direct Investment Fund, the guy meeting with Prince. That direct investment fund is one of the big financial backers of this. 
the guy who arranges this meeting, is now being rep by Obama's lawyer. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a setup. Now, even better. <sighs> Sorry, folks. It's just I'm I'm uh, I'm just exhausted with this. Not not I, just, it's just unbelievable how stupid people are. They're not able to put two and two together when it's all out there. We haven't brought up that Kirill name for a long time, man. I mean, yeah, I know, and I know you. I saw your face when I brought it up. Yeah. Who represented the Russian Direct Investment Fund? This is from Salon.com, a left-leaning site. In his report on the Clinton machine's ties to Saudi Arabia, Michael Isikoff also notes that two of Clinton lobbyist big bundlers, Richard Sullivan and David Jones, are principals in a firm that until late last year represented the Russia Direct Investment Fund, a sovereign wealth fund co-founded by Vladimir Putin when he was prime minister. So a Russian that runs a fund started by Putin investing in a military project, a military technology project where they stole our technology, backed by Hillary Clinton and companies backing her. A Russian connected to all those things, Hillary, Putin, and money, meets with the brother-in-law, with the brother of a Trump administration official, set up by a guy who's now rep by an Obama lawyer and working with the special counsel. And that guy, all of a sudden, his name starts creeping out and leaking into the media. Wait for the next piece of bad news to drop about the Mueller probe. Maybe it's the maybe it's redacted documents being unredacted. Not sure what it's going to be, but wait for that to drop. And you're going to see Prince's name creep up again, too. I got more. Don't go anywhere. I have got a lot more. I still haven't even gotten to uh, covering again the July 27 stuff because it's important. You understand what Mueller's actually doing right now. It's really, really pathetic. All right, folks. Finally, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Man Crates. Hey, listen, what's the worst Valentine's Day gift, guys, you've ever received? Come on. You know it's bad. An ugly tie, <laughs> a box of crappy chocolates you're not going to eat. I mean, we all know about that, right? It's tough to get a gift for guys. We all know it. I mean, even some of my guy friends out there, sometimes I want to send them something. One of my buddies, Brian, just got promoted to second grade detective in New York. I mean, what do you send them? You, the dude, they don't know. Well, I got that problem <laughs> solved for you, you know? Man Crates. These, these, I just got a couple of man crates. I got the, um, they send these, these ammo can pink, uh, pint glasses. It's the coolest gift ever. It comes in an ammo can, Joe, and they send you two beer glasses yeah. with your name on them and a slogan you want. And then a couple of things, of jerky in there. It is the coolest <laughs> gift ever. Ladies and gentlemen, man crates knows what guys like. They have hundreds of gift options. So you know, you'll find the perfect gift surprise for the guy in your life. These gifts are totally unique. Most gifts come in a sealed wooden crate with a crowbar and opening them is an experience you'll never forget. They're not kidding. The first one I got took me five minutes to open, but I loved it. I got that crowbar, <laughs> ripped that thing open. They have unique gifts like the personalized barware crate with personalized pint glasses. And that's really cool. And a bottle opener and the pizza grilling crate with pizza stones and a two-sided dough roller that he'll use all the time. I got the salami bouquet in the past. They got the jerky heart, a heart-shaped box full of beef jerky or the salami bouquet, which I had. And I absolutely destroyed it. I ate that thing so fast. Give an unforgettable Valentine's Day this uh, gift this year. Plus, every man craze comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. You won't need it. You get it. You're going to love it. You're going to go back for more. Matter of fact, when I got the uh, personalized pint uh, uh, glasses and the ammo can, my wife was like, I'm not kidding, folks. She's like, that was a really cool gift. She's going to send these, a few of these out. So get them a man crate plus one of their meaty Valentine's gifts and save just for Valentine's Day. You'll get 14% off when you spend $100 or more at mancrates.com slash Bongino. That's mancrates, C-R-A-T-E-S, mancrates.com slash Bongino. That's 14% off when you spend $100 or more at mancrates.com slash Bongino, mancrates.com slash Bongino. Go check it out. All right, um, folks, I had covered last last week a really important set of dates, which was uh, the, the period around July 27th where this is what Mueller's doing. Whenever bad information breaks about the case, uh, Roger Stone is obviously uh, a response to, to Mueller being, you know, it being revealed that his lead bulldog knew this was a political hit. And now people are starting to talk about it. Right. So Mueller needs to change the story. And I had, excuse me, I had said to you last week that July 27th was a critical day 
uh, because a couple of things happened on that date. July 27, 2017, we had this confluence of events. Mueller is finally notified by the inspector general, the internal affairs uh, officer, Michael Horowitz, who is working this case, that he has the text messages from the investigators investigating Donald Trump, uh, Lisa Page, one of the lawyers, and Peter Stroke, the lead investigator, and that they're devastating. So it's awfully convenient on that date that uh, right around that time, because clearly Mueller gets wind that these are going to come out, these text messages, which reveal, Joe, just how corrupted you've read the messages. Donald Trump's reporters, we Mm -hmm. can smell them. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, we need an insurance policy against Trump being elected. You've seen the text messages, folks. Mueller clearly understands that this is a disaster. Now, instead of Mueller doing the right thing and starting to realize his investigation is corrupted from the start, Mueller doubles down on stupid because that's what they do in a witch hunt. I'm getting tired of people defending this guy. So what happens? That's when Papadopoulos is arrested at the airport in a, in a quickie arrest. Uh, what I've told you, it appears to be some kind of a, a quickie PC arrest at the airport. I'm very suspicious of. I interviewed George Papadopoulos about it. Uh, we have a number of things. Manafort's arrested the day before, July 26th. His house is raided. In other words, like uh, like we saw with the Stone raid today, we saw in the Manafort raid in the past. But I'm just trying to lay out a set of you facts that Mueller's clearly doing this to cover up bad information. This is weaponized government, bully government, used to change the media story to keep the highlighted attention on Donald Trump and off of Mueller's malfeasance right now, right? But there's an interesting other connection that a, 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 a let's call him a friend, uh, keeps keeps making around this date. He said, think about it too, Joe. The, when you, if you go back and listen to my George Papadopoulos interview, it's right around the July 27th, the week before that time, that Papadopoulos is hit up by this guy uh, to wheel with this $10,000 offer. Right. You remember this? Yeah. Now, yeah. folks, if you listen to George Papadopoulos interview, Papadopoulos meets with this, this business guy. Uh, again, I don't, I don't take anybody's word at face value at this. I'm just suggesting what he told us in the story. He meets with this guy in a hotel room overseas who gives him $10,000 for some business deal. George takes the $10,000 and doesn't bring it back with him into the United States. Now, I have a lot of questions about this because what I believe is the FBI didn't have. They were trying to get Papadopoulos to flip Papa in January. Papadopoulos wouldn't flip uh, and work for the FBI in any substantive way against the Trump team. That's what I believe. That's why it says in one of the FBI documents that George in his, in his second interview with the FBI reiterated his, his desire to help. Meaning at some point he said it, but the FBI, I think, wanted him to cooperate against Trump. I think that's the bombshell. And Papadopoulos wasn't playing ball. And clearly between his first and second interview in January and February of 2017, Papadopoulos senses something's wrong. Hence the deletion of his Facebook account, uh, the cell phone, getting rid of the cell phone. Papadopoulos senses something up that he is not, in fact, uh, uh, the pigeon. He's the statue. Mm. He senses that. Now. There's this lag between his second interview in February where he's not going to play ball. Apparently, the FBI storms out of that interview and all the way in July, July, they must figure in these text messages that they're reading. Follow me, Joe, that there's something devastating about their the FBI's work on the Papadopoulos case. Mueller's team clearly reads something. Hence, there's this rush to get Papadopoulos, get him locked up and to shut his mouth. So they lock him up as he enters the country back into Dulles. And conveniently, the amount of money this guy gives him, and I believe is a sloppily arranged uh, hit on on, on uh, Papadopoulos, is the exact amount, Joe, you would need to declare if you were re-entering through United States Customs, the $10,000. Now, Papadopoulos does not bring the money back with him. He leaves it overseas, I believe, in a, in a foreign encounter with a lawyer, he indicated. But isn't it fascinating, Joe, that that happens, that whole $10,000 given to Papadopoulos happens right around the week that Mueller gets the uh, text messages again? Okay, I'll flip you. Flip you for I'll real. Flip you for real. <laughs> the, folks, this all happens around this July 27 date. Mueller gets, the whole case is blown wide open. Clearly, he gets a look at the text messages that his entire team is corrupted. Andy Weissman, we now find out, knew about the political origins of this hit. We know that according to Bruce Orr's own testimony. We now know that Mueller knew through the text messages that his lead investigator, Peter Stroke, was corrupted, that he hated Donald Trump, that there was a political motivation for this. He knows all of this, Mueller. And every time this comes out, instead of just being honest that this is a corrupt investigation into an innocent man on a fabricated case of collusion, he doubles down in what appears to be these 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 hastily 
uh, organized arrests and weaponized government arrests, these bully tactics to shut people down as clear as day. Folks, remember, $10,000 is the exact amount of money you need to declare when you deposit it in the U.S. bank. Yes, sir. Conveniently, someone shows up and gives Papadopoulos $10,000 in this in this questionable at best business deal. And I recall yeah. if George, I think George said the guy was sweating, he was nervous, the guy was sweating. he was yeah, all remember fired up. Yeah. Good point. That the guy was nervous, that he was nervous, Papadopoulos thought he was going to get hurt. Yeah, you yeah. got to go back and listen to the interview. And I asked him some very specific questions. You know, when you pop back into the airport in Dulles, do they show you an arrest warrant? And the reason I believe that, that I believe, and, and if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. But the reason I believe Papadopoulos is arrested at this point without a warrant on a probable cause arrest, which is very unusual in the federal system. I've said that repeatedly. I've already explained that before in many shows. You can listen to prior shows to understand why. But the reason I believe that is I think they had a warrant based on this $10,000 and the fact that he was going to come back and maybe not declare it or something. And Papadopoulos never brought the $10,000 back. So they didn't have anything. So they had a call, call a, a, a U.S. attorney, and someone probably said, I'll pick him up anyway. We'll pick him up on a false statements charge. It's the only thing that makes sense. If this guy was such a threat to American democracy, Papadopoulos, because he's a key figure in a Russian collusion scandal, Joe, then why the heck would they let him go in February after their second interview and not pick him up again into July? The reason they pick him up in July is because Mueller's reading the text messages where it becomes clear as day that Papadopoulos is a part of an elaborate scheme to spy on the Trump team and investigate him using FBI assets in a weaponized government political hit job. It is clear as day. And they have to shut this guy up. The $10,000 appears. The shady business guy appears. Papadopoulos comes back to the airport, doesn't have the 10000 They panic. They have to PC arrest them right there because the warrant they had probably drafted up or had were ready to draft up. They had a complaint likely uh, already drawn up about him coming back. You can do that in advance, Joe. Hmm. I can have a complaint as long as I don't swear to it because nothing happened, right? Okay. Yeah. In other words, if I think you're going to come back into the country with $10,000, there's nothing wrong with me sending a Word document over. Hey, in case this happens, here's the paperwork already, and I'll swear to it. It's but then the yeah. USA says, well, we can't swear to this. It didn't happen. He doesn't have the $10,000. What are we going to do? Oh, PC arrest him on a false statements charge. Folks, this is really, really bad. That all happens around the same July 27th date where Bob Mueller finally finds out through the text messages what a scam this whole thing is. <sighs> We've seen this tactic before. Don't be surprised if Eric Prince is next for meeting with a Russian connected to two Clinton bundlers and a source represented by Obama's former White House lawyer. Folks, this is the biggest setup in American history, the biggest political scandal ever. All right. Uh, I want two quick stories to end the week with uh, kind of warnings. I don't mean to end on a dour note, but just uh, fast. There was a story yesterday on Drudge about something I've warned you about repeatedly. And, you know, but, uh, conspiracy theories, but I, well, yeah, do say what you want. I really don't care. I, my, my, I've spent a lifetime in preparedness and I've warned you about the threat of EMPs. Electromagnetic pulse nuclear attacks in our atmosphere. Man. You know, a lot of people go, ah, oh, that, that, that's just crazy. What are you living in uh, the Book of Eli or something? The Walking Dead? Did you see the report on Drudge yesterday? That China and Russia, Joe, have committed to what they call blackout warfare. By the way, this wasn't like some from some crazy like Looney Tunes site. This was from a major publication that China and Russia are committed to blackout warfare now. Blackout warfare. And by the way, they don't consider this a nuclear strike. Hmm. It's odd, I guess, because it doesn't it wouldn't cause immediate casualties due to the blast. Blackout warfare is the detonation of a nuclear device at the atmospheric level. So the blast wouldn't kill anyone on the ground, but the wiping out of our electronic infrastructure would. There are some estimates that in the blast area, in the affected area, up to 90% of people would die. Water pumps wouldn't work. No electricity. Cars wouldn't work. Electric systems would be fried everywhere. Right. Do you Everything. really have the capacity to survive? This is a real story, folks. It's not a joke. This is some crazy, you know, Looney Tunes stuff. This is the real deal. The Russians and the Chinese are actively preparing for what they call blackout warfare. And 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 they don't they don't consider it a nuclear strike. In other words, they consider this like a normal tactical battlefield mechanism to stop their adversary. Why do I even bring that up? 
Because, Joe, it's the idea of a nuclear strike and its mass devastation and mutually assured destruction that has stopped even the sickest, most deranged regimes in the past from engaging in it. But what I'm trying to tell you is they don't even consider it a nuclear strike. So their moral limits uh, imposed upon it aren't even there. Mm. It's not a joke. Look it up. Blackout warfare. They have whole and, and the U.S. has very little defense against this. The Faraday cages, we're not protected. Our transformers aren't protected. We have no ability to rapidly rebuild our electronic infrastructure. People would die by the hundreds of thousands above the blast area. It's the real deal. Uh, what was it? Oh, uh, one other story. Speaking of Russia and China, last night, Tucker, had a, Tucker Carlson had a fascinating guest on talking about this, the symbiosis and this, this new working of, uh, of major technology companies with big state actors in what's a very, very dangerous uh, future if we don't all take a look at this with open eyes. And the, uh, it was Mark, Mark Stein was on, and Stein did a great job summarizing uh, a line by de Tocqueville. How when de Tocqueville came to the United States uh, and, and gave his initial assessment of the, of the new United States, he, was, he remarked that how even though the king was the absolute monarch um, in England, Joe, he had absolute power, right, mm-hmm. in many respects, the king was actually quite powerless centuries ago. And Stein brought up a fascinating point, how the Tocqueville noticed that unless the king sent an emissary to your house to collect taxes, which was pretty rare, you had no contact with the king at all. He may have said he was the absolute monarch, but absent a levied tax, uh, there was really very little they could do to you. Hmm. The king was, in other words, in your everyday life. You went, you tilled your field, you farmed, you, you tapped your well. You know, you milked your cow, you, you know, you, you, you let the goats graze, you did what you had to do, and that was it. But he said, think about it now. How the Chinese government, through Fitbit and technology, Fitbit type stuff, is following their people every single day. You want to talk about absolute, absolute power? And the story was this. And uh, I, I used to bring this up, the difference between the public and the personal self, right? How in a real tyranny, there's no personal self. There's no private self. There's only a public self. The story was this, that the, there was a tech executive in San Francisco who had hired this, uh, this uh, exchange student type from China who was working here at the permission of the Chinese government. And she had a long commute to work, but she would walk every day. So the tech, ex- it's a real story. It's not, it's not some kind of a joke. The tech executive, Joe, you didn't see this, did you? No. The tech executive feels bad and says to the woman, hey, you know, I can arrange transportation for you. You don't have to walk to work every day. It was quite a commute, apparently. And she said, no, 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 no problem. I'll take care of it because I'm working here at the behest of the Chinese government. And they monitor me through like a Fitbit type device, the number of steps I take every day. Mm-hmm. And if I don't meet a specific number of steps, my social score goes down and I won't be able to get health insurance. Holy Moses. Folks, now you understand why I'm so terrified of big government, why this scares me. And this marriage between tech companies that can monitor your location, your steps, your food intake, your heart rate, your blood pressure every day, and government bureaucrats being able to see all that. You know, a long time ago, when I was discussing why I was so afraid of the, before the Spygate case even developed, now you see why I'm so interested in this. I used to speak out often against the NSA and their collection of metadata, how dangerous this was. Because there, there's, a, there's an increasingly blurred distinction between the public and private self. Think about it. In a tyrannical regime like the one this woman is working uh, for in, in China, she has no private self. Nothing she does is private. The number of steps, the work she produces, probably being videotaped through some device as well. She has no private. That is the hallmark of a tyranny. The essence of a constitutional republic is having a distinction between when the door closes at your house and the garage door closes. That is your time. Some of it uses for good. Some of us use it for not so good. As long as it's not criminal, that not so good stays private. Freedom means having that private self. Not having the public eye encroaching on your life and your your, your, your mechanical motions and your, your work product every single day. Ladies and gentlemen, that line is blurring every day. This is precisely why the Spygate case fascinates me. 
why an early morning raid on Roger Stone fascinates me for all the wrong reasons. Why weaponized government, the ability to go get texts and emails back in the past to create crimes that didn't exist for a future case because you're investigating people. You're not investigating crimes. This is why this is so terrifying. I'm not just making this up out of whole cloth. I'm making, I'm just simply making a case to you that the distinction between the public and private self is slowly withering away. When that garage door and that front door closes right now, it's not really closed anymore. The government has a way in through your texts, through your conversations, through your emails. If you're a citizen of China, through the steps you take, through your blood pressure, through what you're eating. We all need to be on guard. All right, folks, thanks again for another great week of listenership. I really appreciate it. The downloads exploded this week, right, Joe? We had a really good week. Our YouTube channel is going really well, too, so thank you very much. Uh, we really appreciate the support. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes. It is free. Uh, you can also follow at iHeart. Click the follow button. That is free as well, but it's those subscriptions that drive us up in the in the charts and keep us at the top of the charts for other people to find their products. So thank you very much. Uh, that's all due to you. I appreciate it, folks. I'll see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen.